Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis and presented by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have Bucks Media Day to cover. So yeah, the NBA season is right around the corner uh, as soon as one, two, three, four days away. The Bucks will be playing the Grizzlies in their first preseason game. And then their next two preseason games are in... Abu Dhabi. That's the big highlight of the preseason. And yeah, that'll be uh, October 6th and October 8th. And it looks like our first regular season game is October 20th. uh, And that'll be away against the Philadelphia 76ers with our host with our first home game being October 22nd uh, against the Houston Rockets. So I guess presumably it should be a pretty easy victory for our first game, first home game that is, knock on wood, especially for those of you who will be in attendance for the home opener. Ooh, we also have our third game of the year is against the Brooklyn Nets on October 26th. So that's live. You get to hear me uh, reminding myself when exactly Bucks basketball is back, but we haven't been short of news around the NBA uh, as of late. Of course, there's, there's excitement with the league coming back. There's also been some more unfortunate news that's come out. Uh, luckily, it's been all positive from the Bucks front. And uh, we just had Bucks Media Day. Let's see. Was that, I forget the, the official day that it was. It might have been Sunday. Because again, I, I tried to record Sunday, but unfortunately our servers for the outlet that we record on, uh, they were affected by uh, Hurricane Fiona, I believe it was. I had some other technical difficulties recently where I recorded myself talking for hour, eight minutes, and I went to record and somehow the all the audio crapped out on me after 17 minutes, so yeah. Friendly reminder to myself not to mess with my mic too much. So yeah, a ton has built up. The original notes that I had made, though couldn't bring myself to delete the notes due to the time I put into it, uh, a bit outdated. So instead of talking too much about Eurobasket and the conclusion of Greece's run, I'm going to go over some of the topics uh, from Media Day. First of all. Giannis being the gem that he is, I'd say the biggest news item that came out was that he called uh, Steph Curry the best player in the world. We're not surprised by this, nor do we think that Giannis truly believes that, but he, uh, well, I don't think he's, he's playing any games uh, to be sure, but we, we know how humble he is and he's giving the respect to uh, the now reigning NBA champions. Some analysts that I was listening to, probably locked on Bucks, mentioned that Giannis might have proclaimed himself the best in the world last year. I don't remember this happening though. Uh, wouldn't have been particularly newsworthy though, because probably now more than ever, Giannis is actually regarded as the best player in the world. He has, uh, ironically, somewhat of the Kevin Durant case from uh, the previous season. Steph Curry did respond to Giannis's remarks, though, saying that he wouldn't be phased by Giannis putting uh, putting him up up on that mantle, trying to trying to shake him at all. Good on Steph. He seems like a top tier individual himself, uh, even off the basketball court. Uh, some other comments from Giannis, though. I uh, heard similar things from Luka Doncic about how. In some ways, it can be more difficult to play in Eurobasket. Giannis particularly 
mentioned the the lack of NBA spacing that there is. So, so yeah, Giannis spoke to how Eurobasket gets him particularly prepared for the season more than pretty much any other way he could spend his offseason. However, I know Bucks fans don't have the same concerns that potentially Mavericks fans have had about Luka Doncic because we know Giannis is going to be a chiseled Greek god no matter what, even though I think he did make a joke about not having to just sit on the couch and eat Doritos like the rest of us all summer. Yeah, being in playing shape has never held back Giannis from from uh, winning MVPs and championships and what have you. So, yeah, this might be the third year in the row where Luka Doncic is the betting favorite for MVP with Joel Embiid probably close behind to him being overdue for it, of course, after Giannis and Jokic won uh, back-to-back MVPs uh, over the past four years. Yeah, I think Giannis's uh, spiel was really the only one that I had heard in its entirety. I listened to like a 20-minute clip on YouTube uh, the other day, of course, while doing other things. But it also stood out to me. Other people commented on Giannis scoffing at the, uh, I don't know, the burden of traveling across the, wor- across the world like they will be for Abu Dhabi. And I know fans in Milwaukee selfishly um, would maybe prefer that that the Bucks don't do um, don't do the most intense uh, travel possible with the guys in preseason, but well, Giannis. Of course, it's easy for him to recognize the importance of expanding the game. Uh, Globally, because uh, who knows if he would if he would be here without the likes of uh, Dirk Nowitzki and Drazen Petrovic and uh, I believe is it Baby Shack the uh, the enormous uh, Greek uh, national team guy from the mid two thousands. But yeah, also. We can cite Giannis's humble beginnings and uh, why he's not too worried about having to take a having to take a long flight across the world. Uh, he even talked about how, of course, it'll be be a, be a flight chartered by the Bucks, so so he can basically have anything that he wants while on the flight. Uh, Yeah, of course, throughout the season, we'll talk about um, just travel in general and, you know, the effect that it has on players. I know uh, Jeff Van Gundy has sort of laughed at laughed at the idea of guys uh, complaining about travel because, of course, they're, they're going to be flying first class and um, on private planes, what have you. Uh, but this is a little different, of course. It's preseason, and the, and I think the biggest issue is how frequent the travel is uh, during the regular season, having to play 82 games, and then, and then after it, playing 82 games, gearing up for the most important part of the season. Uh, but yeah, let's see. The Bucks will have uh, two games two days off after their second game in Abu Dhabi. Uh, They'll play two games and three nights there. Um, Then they'll play a back-to-back in preseason until they have eight straight days off before the start of the regular season. Uh, But it's not like they're going to be playing playing guys uh, 35-plus minutes to try and get wins in these games. Uh, in fact, uh, in these preseason games that are coming up, we'll probably be seeing a lot of our guy who uh, just signed a new deal in Jordan Wara. He signed a new two-year, $6.2 million deal. Uh, I don't have... Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if there are any... If, if I have no reason to believe that it's not fully guaranteed. Uh, yeah, it's. I definitely was not expecting this because, well, <laughs> he was signed uh, basically right... Was, was it even after media day? Maybe I forget, but it was just in the last... Uh, few days Jordan Nawara was uh was re-signed plus the Bucks uh have shown um you know that they would rather go into a year with 14 guys if not for the flexibility of being able to add someone on the fly um well really really just to just to save money and Jordan is now our 15th guy, um, but uh, before he, he could have signed his qual, um, assuming he wouldn't have signed anywhere else because it's so close to the season right now, um, had, had he been forced to take his qualifying offer, that would have been only... Only two million uh, thirty six thousand dollars thirty six thousand and ninety dollars. So he's getting almost a full million dollar raise for this next year, plus more on on the year after. So if we really want to nitpick, um, there could be something there, but. I don't know. He's a he's a young wing. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on him. Uh, I I don't know if I would bet on him being able to play playoff minutes uh, moving forward. If if uh, if someone had to step in for Chris Middleton again, God forbid. But compared to the rest of our roster, he has uh, he has as much room to grow uh, as anybody. Yeah, even though. There, there's still much more of an investment though in Marjan Beauchamp and uh, Marjan already having sort of a, a two-way pedigree uh, leads me to leads me to believe that uh, Marjan will won't be affected by Jordan Nawara sticking around and if so then that just means that Nawara outplayed Marjan or that Marjan was some kind of a bust. Not not the best timeline there, but day one, I think everyone would bet on Marjan as opposed to Jordan Noir. So there's probably not uh, many concerns about that stunting Marjan's development. And at the end of the day, Marjan is far from the far from the top of the priority list. Uh I don't know. I like Jordan. I like watching Jordan Noir play basketball, though. He's a fun, fun guy who can uh, fill it up. He can be inconsistent, but we're not relying on him a ton. So he just continues to be our uh, a fun uh, flyer kind of a guy for us with, uh, with much room to grow. Other notes from Media Day, though. Um, Obviously not the not the flashiest of a media day. We didn't have too many too many new faces to get to know, and that'll be a strength for this team moving forward. Uh, however, Joe Ingles will be taking uh, Grayson Allen's previous number, number seven, and now Jordan Awara will be wearing uh, number twelve. That might feel. Uh, a little odd for for our uh, if there still are uh, Jabari Parker lovers out there I might be included in that I have no qualms uh, someone else has probably worn 12 uh, since then uh, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head and yeah I thought it was interesting to uh, 
uh, Joe Ingles, he's been he's had a reputation of being a being a good locker room guy, a class clown of sorts, if if he will. Seems to be somewhat of his style, and he commented about. Um, you know what what he had to and what he had to do or give up uh, to Grayson Allen in order to get his number seven back, and it's according to Joe Ingles, there wasn't really much of a transaction at all, which is a little odd. Uh, normally, you normally you would hear about a about a some of these millionaires exchanging some money back and forth or maybe buying a fancy dinner. But it made a little more sense to me when I, when I remembered that Grayson Allen was drafted by the jazz and uh, Grayson was probably, uh, well, Joe Ingles was one of Grayson Allen's vets uh, at the beginning of his career. Yeah. I would say if nothing else, the other news coming out of, uh, out of media day that caught my attention. Uh, Locked on Bucks was recapping uh, George Hill, and apparently George Hill was reflecting on on his disappointment with with the past playoff run. He revealed that um, it seems that seems that many are forgetting that George Hill was out for a significant period of time with 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 a neck injury, and uh, Hill revealed that. Uh, when going around screens, sometimes he would still feel feel like a tightness or like pinching sensation, and at other times he would also uh, he would feel his hand uh, start to go numb as well. Uh, which, yeah, makes sense and. I don't know. You you could argue that of of course it is it is still Bud's job to um, to save the players from themselves, uh, even though the players might be might not be super forthright in in what they're going through on the court because they just want to be out there. Uh, but you know, Bucks obviously didn't have many options as you can tell because the majority of the fan base is still uh, still losing their minds over the fact that we didn't put put 62 Javon Carter on Jason Tatum uh, but of course it's uh, hard to be popular uh, among this fan base unless you're unless you're completely dragging uh, Grayson Allen or George Hill yeah speaking of those two, <laughs> As much as I somewhat just went to bat for them, uh, there's some new trade rumors circling around, and those two, of course, are uh, on the top of my mind as our most expendable uh, salaries right now. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was talked about for, um, you know, probably ad nauseum. Uh, on Buck's Twitter. And uh rightfully so. Uh you know, if if there was a trade moving just Grayson Allen and George Hill, uh Jordan Clarkson would be would be a significant upgrade over them. Uh yeah, we could still Use a bit more of a guy with Clarkson's skill set. Uh, again, I don't know if he solves solves the issue of uh, of uh, not have of uh, having of not having someone out there who won't get roasted on an island against Jason Tatum. At the end of the day, we might ju- we just might have to live with that and and hope that we have our our second best guy on the court still. Uh, when that time does come. Uh, but yeah, of course, uh, Jordan Clarkson's one of the best six, six men in the league. He uh, Did he win it the year before this past one? I 
forget exactly, uh, but he was at least a he's at least in the running. I know that's for sure. He and Joe Ingles were uh, were were in the running uh, just the season before this past one for Sixth Man of the Year uh, in the same season. Yeah, Bucks can definitely use another guy who who can run a pick and roll. Um, yeah, I'd like to think that Bobby Portis could be a uh, could be a six man of the year candidate in himself. Uh, and hopefully there there aren't a lot of times where where Bobby's out there with all with all bench unit guys, so it shouldn't be just left on Bobby on Bobby to run our second units. Uh, so I don't know if we if we're in that dire of a need for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, it's worth mentioning though that Boyan Bogdanovich, I didn't expect us to to get him as he as I saw him as the best uh, as the best player left on the uh, on the Jazz from their previous iterations. However, he uh, he was traded. Uh, to the Pistons for just a bag of beans and uh, Kelly Olynyk and Saban Lee. He didn't even get a pick back, and it uh, reports uh, previously sounded pretty adamant that the Jazz expected uh, at least, well, they sh- they wouldn't expect multiple. I feel like that would be reaching, but they expected a first round pick for each of their, uh, you know, each each of their rotation guys from from previous seasons and now they just gave up their gave up their best one for not even a second round pick the excuse was that they didn't want to take back future salary which is what would have had to come in in deals from other teams and yeah as it stands they still have uh far more guys on their roster um, than the 15 maximum that they'll be able to go into the season with. Uh, So they're, you know, their books aren't totally clean, but you'd you'd think that they're only going to get better moving forward. Uh, If these guys were to come off the books, yeah, I... I'm kind of curious as to why we haven't heard about other potential uh, Boyan Bogdanovich deals out there. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to look at one for for Dallas previously, but yeah, probably would have involved a uh, a Dwight Powell. Maybe they would have been fine with giving up a Josh Green as as the uh, as the young sweetener to the deal. I don't know what kind of picks picks the Mavericks have left, but clearly it wasn't 100% necessary for Boyan. Uh, I digress though, because I obviously wasn't wasn't quite expecting that. I thought we had assets. Uh, you know, closer to Clarkson's market instead. And now the last trade candidate that I can think of at the moment is Jake Crowder, which is a very curious situation. Uh, yeah, it also, he's pretty polarizing for Bucks fans, which... Isn't it totally unforeseen given the battles that we've had against Jay? But I don't know. I've always sort of been. I always loved the idea of kind of getting getting guys similar to PJ Tucker that that you always hate playing against, and Jay Crowder can be one of those. He can be. Uh, a close facsimile to PJ Tucker, definitely no, not PJ, but yeah, someone who 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 we know can 
can uh, can hold up at least defensively in the playoffs. And has the ability to take and make threes, uh, even if it is uh, inconsistent at times. Uh, doesn't have doesn't have the same market that that Bogdanovich seems to ha- seems to have, but yeah, at the at the end of the day, pretty wild that he wants out of there so bad. Uh, I know. I believe it was Alex Wong was a guest on uh, No Dunks today with a. Uh, Trey Kirby and Tass Mills, and he was he was making fun of Kevin Durant for having for having an even less successful trade demand than Jay Crowder. <laughs> of course, there's a lot more nuance there, but he seems to have a point. Yeah, I guess not being super plugged into the situation, I would say that it must just be because the Suns want to start Cam Johnson ahead of Jay Crowder. But I don't know. If I'm Jay Crowder, is it really... I don't see how it's that much of a slap in the face to come off the bench. Like, I don't know if Jay Crowder's ever really been been better than, like, a... Than like a fourth starter on a good team. And he's been that for pretty much his whole career. I'll give him that, but, but he's only getting older. Cam Johnson was again on the short list for, for six man of the year last year. They, they want to be in his, in his good graces to, to hope to retain him and, you know, Make sure make sure things don't get quite as sour as they seem to have gotten with DeAndre Ayton. So it makes sense to have the guy start, uh, as to, as opposed to if he were if he were a guard. To me, it makes more sense to have to have a guard, even if he's better than the starter in a vacuum. Uh, yeah. I just just because I feel feel like if you have if you have an all star sixth man or close to that similar to like a Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, Tyler Hero, um, being able to have a, an elite six man guard, they'll they'll get to have the get to have the ball in their hands, so they'll be able to to control the game more and just and just run just run amok against second units and perhaps that's harder to do for for a forward like Cam Johnson or Kevin Love who is also uh, on the short list for sixth man of the year so makes makes less sense to me to have to have a forward coming off the bench if you know that that they're that they're uh that they're the better player Uh, but yeah, I haven't necessarily put it in the trade machine, but I think the salaries are pretty close. If if we were to put to put together a package uh, of Grayson Allen and George Hill for Jay Crowder, Jay obviously wouldn't be starting for us, and I really haven't thought about him a ton. Uh Um. Yeah, as far as far as our depth chart goes, I guess I see see Bobby ideally as a center, and then it'd be nice to have Jay bring in more defense at the forward position, coming off the bench. Maybe then that would finally finally push Bud to start Pat and just have our have our five best guys out there. At all times, or you know, we still have still would have Wes, and then Pat and Wes can be interchangeable at the starting two. Uh, yeah. Either way, I've probably spent enough time on this. I'm not. I'm not necessarily 
clamoring for uh, Jay Crowder to come to Milwaukee, but I think he's without a doubt a six-team game player, and uh, I'll always be interested in uh, in guys like that. Question just is: is the is the juice worth the squeeze? All right. Um, yeah. So, speaking of the Suns and other NBA news, <laughs> uh, well, lots happened since I had previously recorded, but at least we, at least, what was initially terrible news and still is a is an awful situation. We have the result that we wanted in uh, Robert Sarver uh, deciding to uh, shop the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the NBA really lost the press conference when uh, Adam Silver went out there and basically stated that that... that uh, that these owners sort of play by different rules as opposed to as opposed to other staff members of the organization. And that of course didn't look look great, but I think everyone kind of knows that. Uh, and yeah, obviously he's uh he's a terrible person. <laughs> Just straight up. Uh, I think both Sarver and uh, Silver, there was something going around there about, um, I don't know, Sarver being, Sarver maybe deserving some benefit of the doubt because... Um, I don't want to say for sure that, that it was Silver who said this, but I think at least Sarver was trying to plead the case that this was so long ago. Uh, but e- even though re- some reports go back to like the early 2000s, it seems to continue uh, up until at least 2016. And you know, back when Earl Watson was the coach there. But yeah, whether it was five years ago or 15 years ago, the guy is still, uh, you know, owning an NBA franchise. Uh, even children know better than to, than to act the way that he did. Um, yeah, and I only mentioned the racist remarks that he had. He 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 certainly used used the N word at least five times. That's just what's been reported. But then he made, uh, yeah, he made remarks on, on, you know, people's bodies. And he even, he even made a pregnant woman cry. He just fostered a super toxic, uh, work environment. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, we all know he's he's not a great guy, and yeah, we're not super surprised to learn that about someone uh, growing up from old money. But I'd say the the biggest news that stood out from this I got from the Low Post when sort of they they talked about the differences between this and the Sterling situation. Uh, and I'm not talking about the fact that there was, that there was, uh, of course, audio recording of Sterling saying terrible things. Cause you know, we, we know for certain that Sarver said similar things too. So it, it shouldn't at least matter that, that we have, we have a video of Sterling saying racist things, but the difference is that 
apparently uh, Donald Sterling's wife um, in court had uh, had Donald Sterling deemed uh, like I might have even been mentally incapable of of running running the NBA franchise, and then she was able to assume uh, control over the organization. Uh, from Donald Sterling, and and then from there she sold the team. So the team didn't, the Clippers, that is, they didn't, uh, they weren't simply taken away by Donald Sterling. So, and I think in order for, for, um, that to happen, it would require um, all of the owners to get together and vote on that and uh, yeah, reports seem to indicate that that not all the owners would be behind that due to the precedent that it would send because who knows what kind of dirt these other billionaires um, you know, all have on their hands. But yeah, thankfully, uh, Sarver won't just be able to walk back into the Phoenix organization like nothing happened in a year. I bet, uh, I bet that would have been horrifying for many Suns employees. And at, le- at least this resolved uh, as much as it can until it's actually sold. But it seems like it's heading towards towards a resolution uh, right in the wake of some also atrocious news that um, we've only heard the beginning of. Uh, Ime Udoka was reported uh, engaged uh, in, in, yeah, sort of uh, an unethical relationship in that he had a romantic relationship with with uh, with someone in the Celtics organization. And I know that got really messy in the media, not only with people on Twitter just throwing random um, random names of women within the Celtics organization into the shuffle, which is completely unfair and disgusting uh, for them. But yeah, there were several people who right away, um, just based off of the initial vague reporting, assumed that that uh, Ime Udoka being suspended for a year uh, right away uh was a bit of an overreaction. Uh, especially right when, not long after Robert Sarver was suspended uh, for a year. However, it's important to point out that, that it was different parties suspending different people. So the NBA, The NBA specifically has a precedent of not suspending anyone for more than a year, uh, but this is the Celtics, not specifically the NBA. And uh, also, of course, Ime Udoka doesn't have the same power of Robert Sarver. He doesn't own uh, own an NBA franchise. He's a he's he's an employee of the Phoenix Suns. Who I guess you could maybe argue work. Well, yeah, they're obviously quicker in suspending Udoka, uh, you know, to maybe avoid further legal trouble. A lot of people are, I mean, I'd be included. I, I wouldn't bet on Udoka coming back and coaching. Uh, yeah, it was, it was put in, it was put in the reporting from, uh, Wojer Shams, whoever broke it, one of the two usual suspects that that Udoka was engaged engaged in a consensual relationship. Uh, but 
other media members have come out and said that that there might have been uh, like un unwelcome comments made by Udoka, which from from there that doesn't sound sound uh, consensual at all to me, but I think. Uh, even Matt Barnes came out um, after he came to the came to the defense of Yudoka uh, with the initial vague reporting that it might be an overreaction. He claimed he um, has since heard more about about the situation and there's much more to it, which makes the the quick full year suspension you know more correct. But yeah, without knowing or knowing any other details which we don't which we don't need to know uh nor probably should we uh i guess you can maybe think about how inappropriate it would be for this to go on in your workplace and yeah how it would have how it would affect i don't know <laughs> you know it could it could affect you know, the kind of promotion that you or your peers get, it could affect, um, yeah, you could be treated differently, uh, better or worse. You could fear uh, ending a relationship if you wanted to um, after a while for fear of, of retaliation related to your, your career. Um, not saying that that happened with Ime Yudoka, but that's just an example of why work, pr workplace relationships, especially between, um, particularly with uh, um, including a boss, is uh, unethical. So, uh, yeah. Risks saying a little too much there that I'm qualified to, but um, yeah, not so smoothly going back into the basketball side of things. Uh, naturally, the Celtics are the Bucks' biggest rival and the biggest threat in the East. They, um, I'd say popular opinion was that they were the favorites to make it back to the finals. This definitely took a hit because the Celtics now lost Yudoka, um, but they also lost Will Hardy, who's now the head coach of the Utah Jazz. So now Joe Mazzula will be the head coach of the Boston Celtics this year. Um, Mazzula is a third-year assistant. I also heard that he doesn't have um, really much if any front of the bench uh experience so though i'm sure we all have a lot to learn about joe joe mazula and his basketball uh background and he knows more than uh most of us ever will about basketball but uh yeah it's <laughs> yeah it seems like the celtics at least in terms of uh coaching acumen fell from uh, towards the top of the NBA rankings uh, straight down uh, to the bottom in terms of experience since we do have we do have uh, so many amazing head coaches in this league so it's not necessarily meant to disparage Joe Missoula but uh, clearly his his credentials are dwarfed by uh several head coaches uh also beyond the coaching situation for the celtics uh it's been announced that robert williams was clear clearly playing hurt throughout the playoffs uh he will be out for at least the first two to three months of the season and he's had a He's had a tough injury history already in his young career, and uh, some of that does also include knee issues. So we do wish him, as we would any other player, uh, 
you know, better luck with their health moving forward. As far as from a Bucks standpoint, though, um, I heard people that I enjoy hearing <laughs> their opinions. Uh, I've heard them say that that this this might even sway um, the East favorites uh, uh, back to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, yeah, might have evened the playing field a little bit for now. As uh, Chris Middleton also, I think he, uh, it was expected, but he said that he did not anticipate being ready for the beginning of the season. Uh, yeah, but we all expected it. He hopes to not miss too much of the beginning of the year, uh, which made me hopeful that he wouldn't miss like a whole month. But he also didn't make it sound like he would be day to day. It didn't sound like it didn't sound like it was uh, still wait and see to see if he would be playing in that first game in Philadelphia or not. So hopefully by the beginning of November we'll see Chris, and hopefully he doesn't lose a whole month. But it's a long regular season. Uh, heck, we'll see even how much. How much the Robert Williams news today hurts the Celtics uh, in the long run. But, I don't know. Once you get up to three months of the regular season, then you have to factor in uh, much more rust and and whatnot. And then what kind of a toll it takes on on the rest of the Celtics. Because they won't want to play Al Horford. They'll want to load manage him. But after that, someone threw out, threw out like, well, you're going to play Grant Williams 35 minutes? Uh, yeah. That would be good for Grant Williams, who's up for a new contract. Uh, but maybe not great if you're just looking looking to go into the playoffs with full health. And also shouldn't forget that Danilo Gallinari tore... Uh, I believe it was his ACL. He tore a tendon, or um, you know, he had a major major knee injury to the same knee that he had hurt uh, previously in the 2010s when he was on the Nuggets, and he's he's definitely getting up there. He was uh, another bargain uh, deal for the Celtics, similar to Malcolm Brogdon in their front court. So. Uh, back towards how this affects the Bucks odds, I'll say one of my one of my takeaways from a from a significant Celtics focused uh, show that I had listened to was uh, the Celtics beat reporter talked a lot about Luke Cornett, <laughs> uh, who was previously I think he was on a. Is he on a ten day with the Bucks? If not, if not this past year, definitely the year before. Very recently, uh, yeah. This Celtics beat reporter—I forget their name—but there are a lot of good Celtics beat reporters that I like. Uh, he mentioned that Brad Stevens could be a bigger uh, Cornet fan, but Udoka was never much of a Cornet fan. Uh, and uh, now they don't have Tice either because Tice was, I suppose, the best player <laughs> included in that trade to get Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, it was also mentioned that uh, there could be some Jason Tatum at the five, which is another thing like more Luke Cornette, something else that I would not like to hear if I were a Celtics fan. Uh Yeah. <laughs> um So yeah, that's uh that's a lot of me riffing there off the top of my head, but I wanted to definitely touch on the uh ESPN's NBA rank. 
going back to this page because this started playing a bunch of started playing an ad in the middle of my recording earlier that hopefully you listeners didn't hear but it distracted me for for a while uh before i get to the headline which you probably already know if you're listening to this espn's nba rank is always listed is always listed or shared in increments they first release 100 through 26 it should also be noted that they pose it in the heading that this is what they predict for this coming year not necessarily what uh based on previous results and that is important to maybe not get people as bent out of shape when they hear that chris middleton is just a hair outside of the top 30 at number 31 uh, last year he was he was at 19 championship championship year bump we can say that uh, for him and also Drew Holiday who was ranked uh, number 26 after being 22 the previous year so he's just a hair outside of the top 25 uh, yeah I guess it checks out that these guys are still within five spots of each other as our as our 2A and 2B, Drew Holiday was the sexier choice um, for analysts as opposed to the coaches who eventually voted uh, Chris Middleton to his third uh, All-Star game. I believe it was third, not second. Uh, instead of getting Drew Holiday to his second, which other people were going for, but I'm always happy to see two bucks in the All-Star game. Either way... Uh, Counting down from 31, Chris Middleton. Number 30 is Pascal Siakam. I found it interesting that these two guys were paired together because uh, I, I don't believe Siakam made the All-Star game last year. I know Fred Van Vliet did. Uh, and there were other injury replacements. I don't think Siakam was. And I remember uh, J.E. Skeets, uh, whom I love at No Dunks, and granted, he's biased the other way that we are. He said that he would absolutely lose it and flip a table if Pascal Siak, or rather if Chris Middleton made an All-NBA team instead of Pascal Siakam. I don't remember where Siakam uh, fell in All-NBA rankings, though I though I know he had a terrific close to the season. Uh, it's interesting to see those two guys right next to each other. Bummer that Chris can't crack that top 30. Uh, but again, we can at least fall back on, uh, this being, uh, ESPN just trying to predict the future. So they could, uh, just as easily be, uh, as wrong as, as we are. Brandon Ingram's number 29. Fair enough. After watching what the Pelicans did last year without, uh, Zion Williamson. DeMar DeRozan, 28. Uh, MVP conversation, DeMar DeRozan. That's how I will, how I'll think of him for a while. Sad because it's almost disparaging. <laughs> it does sound disparaging, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not looking forward to uh, like the January mark of the year when, or maybe even December when we start to put you know, rank our top 10 MVPs, like, like by the end of the year, we'll even be talking about, uh, more than three guys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's going to definitely bother me, but respect to Jamar. He's hasn't been in this, uh, you know, this, uh, extensive list of MVP MVPs in the past. Right next to Jamar is uh, Zach Levine at 27. Uh, I guess that's expecting a slight regression from DeMar and maybe some room for growth for Levine just in terms of aging curves. Uh, but yeah, then 26 is uh, Drew Holiday. Uh, now from there, we can move into the top 25 
uh, I'll go really quick with a lot of these names because we have a big, big gap until we get to a familiar friend. I'll be clicking around here until I get to the link uh, for the top rankings. Uh, worth noting, I'm not going to go through all of the previous um, 74, but I don't believe Brooke Lopez was a uh, was even in the top 100. Granted, this is what we're predicting for the future. Uh, Brooke Lopez is getting older, and he just missed most of, of last season. So we can just take it as, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that Brooke can prove wrong. And uh, also by proving people wrong, it would be just a lot of him doing what he had done previously when healthy. Uh, he could easily be a top 100 <laughs> Easily be a top 100 guy. Yeah, it's not that hard of a threshold for Brooke Lopez, and that's how he should see it. Uh, there's big news around the Timberwolves having being the only team to have three guys in the top 25. Uh, and naturally, uh, Anthony Edwards was ranked number 25, right ahead of Drew Holiday. Uh, I don't really take much, except, much exception to this. Uh, especially because Anthony Edwards, with all the noise that the Timberwolves have made in the offseason, he's been talked about a lot as a future, uh, you know, all all NBA uh, player for for years and years to come. So, uh, yeah, could be a lot of people, especially drink drinking the Anthony Edwards Kool Aid. I also don't blame them though. Uh, he does have have the potential to be to be great, but not everyone meets their 99th uh, percentile outcome. 24 is Donovan Mitchell. 23, Bam Adebayo. 24, Jalen, or excuse me, 22, Jalen Brown. 21, Chris Paul. 20 is Anthony Davis. 19 is Bradley Beal. And I shouldn't na just name off all of these names. I will scroll quick to what I found interesting was uh, last year's number one ranked guy was uh, was Kevin Durant. But this year, he's actually uh, ranked low, in my opinion, for him. But he's number six, so that seems like a bit of a fall off for especially a previously number one guy to fall. Uh, oh, wow, that was off of memory, and he fell even further. Kevin Durant was ranked as the, the eighth best guy for this coming season, being beat out uh, instead by Jason Tatum at number seven and LeBron James. At number six. Yeah. Don't want to add more fuel to Katie's fire, but ha also hasn't been the best press coming out of Brooklyn. So it's not the, uh, not the craziest thing to hear, in my opinion. And then after Katie, uh, how did I already forget? Jason Tatum, LeBron James. The top five are as follows from Number five, Stephen Curry, who Giannis proclaimed as the best player in the world and now reigning finals MVP. Number four, Joel Embiid, who is number two in MVP ranking the past, uh, past two seasons, and now he might have the, the best team around him that he ever has. Uh, not looking forward to playing the Sixers this year. I've said that plenty. Luke Doncic, number three. Uh, potentially the odds-on favorite for MVP for um, nearly two or three seasons, it feels like, but never quite got over the hump. Number two, reigning two-time MVP. No, I'm not talking about our guy, um, Giannis. Uh, that's Nikola Jokic and... Um, 
We haven't quite gotten to our guy yet in Giannis because he is number one, the best player in the world. He is number two last season. And, uh, yeah, it feels sweet. To, uh, Giannis deserves to, to get the recognition. Uh, not that he lacks accolades uh, necessarily, but, yeah. It's good to see him recognized in uh, by some of the more official outlets as number one Giannis Antetokounmpo. I look forward to watching him this season and uh, proving ESPN correct. But until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.